Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to Best on the Board here at The Athletic. Michael Beller and Brandon Funston kicking off this episode. We are going to take a look ahead to week 10. That's right, week 10 already on our brains. We're going to get an early look at the lines here. Try to jump on something that we think are going to move the direction of the teams we already like. So let's get them at this price before it becomes harder for them to cover the spreads that we are getting on. Funston, uh, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm looking forward to putting week nine behind us, uh, get us a fresh slate of games for week 10, hopefully a little bit of uh, some normalcy to return, because I kind of like normalcy. I like some I like some curveballs every now and then, but for the most part, I like it to be sort of, you know, somewhat predictable. Yeah, yeah. Week nine was a weird one, not only in the results and the way those results were arrived at, but it just, it seemed kind of bad, right? Like, it wasn't, <laughs> that, that was just me, wasn't it? It was just kind of, they were just kind of bad football and bad games. Yeah, yeah, like it was, it was a lot of the stuff was nonsensical and felt like completely like an anomaly. And so, okay, we got all those out of the way. Let's let's see if we can get back to things that make sense. Yeah, I'm totally down with that, especially if the making of sense results in us making some money as well. And that's exactly what we're going to try to do here on this episode of Best on the Board. So unfortunately, last week, DeWitt and I both uh, took an 0-2. So uh, we're going into this week looking to wash the taste out of our mouth. Actually, Funston, you filled in for him when he was on vacation. God, I want to say that was three, four weeks ago, and you went 2-0 and in that, in that uh, one appearance. So you've got a sterling reputation to protect here, uh, why don't we just jump right in, right there? What are you going to do? How are you going to get to three and zero? What's your first play for week ten? Uh, the first play is the first game of the week, Thursday night. I'm going to the Baltimore, uh, getting seven against Miami, and I just I'm looking at this game, and I, I think we're going to see maybe another Jacoby Brissett game. I'm not sure if Tua is going to be ready to go. If he is, he's coming back, you know, and dealing with that broken finger. So. Either way, I don't think seven's enough for Baltimore. You look at just their the their season averages, Baltimore getting twenty seven point six points per game, Miami getting seventeen point two, even if they played to their average, that's a it's a you know, it's a big advantage for the for the Ravens. I've seen in some places this has already moved to seven and a half, but MGM has it at minus seven, it's only juiced up to minus one twenty. I think that's still good enough odds for me to jump in on the Ravens here. And here's something that you like with this pick that you just made here. Something we talk about every single Monday on this show. This isn't just about picking games that we like. Of course, it's about picking sides that we like. Of course, it's about being right at the end of the day. But on a Monday, when we're betting games, in your case here, three days out, and cases for Sunday games, six days out, we're also looking for lines that we think are going to move, right? We have lines that we think are going to move in the direction that we are betting on. And so the fact that MGM's got this at minus 7, minus 120 is an indicator that this is almost certainly going to tick up at the very least to 7.5. So this is uh, maybe your only opportunity, a fleeting opportunity, to get in on the Ravens laying just the touchdown. And if they win by seven, at least you push. But this is probably your only opportunity and wouldn't be surprised, especially if we get some bad news on Tua later today, if this to see this get up to eight even. So this is an opportunity to get the Ravens at minus seven that you might not have by the end of the day today, let alone Tuesday, Wednesday, or by kickoff on Thursday. And this is one that I like as well. Have to imagine I'll be taking this in my super contest pool where we got to pick five games against the spread every week for all the reasons that you lay out Funston. Uh, one that I'm going with my first pick is actually one that already has moved, in fact, because when I first looked at the lines this morning, the Browns were two and a half point dogs in New England. They are now two point dogs in New England, and I still want to get on this one because I just think the Browns are, are the better team here, and we really saw the Browns have one of the more impressive wins of Week 9 going into Cincinnati and really making that never anything 
of a game. That was a game that the Browns controlled from start to finish. And, you know, we were unsure of exactly what they were going to have. And they had really everything that they needed. It was pretty a, a hallmark sort of Browns game where we had a huge game out of Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield didn't make any mistakes. The defense really showed up and totally clamped down on Joe Burrow and the Bengals' offense, and we saw the Browns just run away with a huge, huge victory, both in the AFC North and for the way the AFC playoff race is shaping up. A monster victory for the Browns, and I think that's something that they can take forward here in their game with the Patriots. You look at what the Patriots have done. Three straight wins, pretty impressive for a team uh, with their personnel to be sitting at 5-4. and four. But let's be honest about what some of these games are. They've got a couple of wins over the Jets. They squeaked out the Texans and with a field goal victory. They just beat the Panthers. And then they did have that impressive win in Week 8 at the Chargers, a game that they won by a field goal. You know, No offense, all you can do is beat the team that is right in front of you. I think a lot of teams that it, with the Patriots schedule would be sitting at at least 5-4 and four right now. I think that's just the fact of the matter. You do give them some credit for winning a lot of these games in blowout fashion. Carolina yesterday, the Jets back in Week 2. But some of these other games have been a, a little bit closer than you want them to be. Browns are the better team for me. I think Mac Jones and company has trouble getting going against that Browns defense, like the Browns catching two points on the road. Yeah, and it was mentioned on the broadcast a lot that the Browns' defense is as healthy as it's been all year. They really have everybody healthy. And when they have everybody healthy, you can argue the Browns' defense on a talent level up there with anybody in the league. We saw, like I think, the full extent of what they're capable of doing against a really good Cincinnati offense. So I like I like this pick a lot. I think they can go in New England, play a, play a war of attrition kind of game, and be the better team in doing that. So, um, uh yeah, I, I think this is a this one makes a whole lot of sense. It would definitely be in my short list of plays as well. You and I talk. Uh, you and I do the fantasy football podcast together, and we were talking on Monday's show about you know what are the defenses that, from a fantasy perspective, really make us think twice about some players that uh, we could potentially have playing against them. And we really just settled on the Browns and the Bills, and that might be it, really, across the league. Yeah. And that's not to say there aren't other good defenses, but the ones that are going to make us think twice about playing fantasy guys against them. We saw why in that Browns game against the Bengals in Week 9. This uh, defense, when it is flying around it, it, at full strength, it is a very tough defense to get anything going against. And you just look at what the Patriots have offensively. There's not a lot of speed. There's not a lot on the outside that's going to threaten the team with the athleticism that the Browns have defensively. Wouldn't be surprised to see this get something close to a pick by the time this one is kicking off on Sunday. One more pick from you, Funston. It is one of the many big dogs. We actually have six spreads sitting out there right now that are nine points or bigger. You are going with one of those, and you are going with the dog. Let's hear why uh, you've got the Falcons plus nine at the Cowboys. Yeah, I was going to ask you, have you seen a, a week like this where there's been that many nine-plus point underdogs? Uh, we had that one, what, like, like four weeks ago where we had, like, the three – two touchdown spreads, but none were at six at nine or higher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to go with one of them in the Falcons uh, getting nine at Dallas. I've seen it move to eight and a half in, in at least one uh, place, but uh, I think this one could come down as well. I mean, I just watched a lot of that Dallas game and I could not believe what I was seeing of them at home yeah. against Denver and they had to get two garbage time touchdowns at the very end. They were getting shut out for most of that game. I think right now with Dax, uh, you know, with Dax health, He's not a halt all the way there. And the Falcons kind of seem to keep hanging around. And they went, you know, the Saints win that game on Sunday. They're in first place in the NFC South. And, and the Falcons beat them. 
And I think the Falcons are good enough that I don't think they're going to win this game outright. I would never bet the money line here, but I think I, I feel like this is a, a classic kind of backdoor cover kind of game where they're they're maybe down double digits and they get a garbage time touchdown in the end, like the Dallas did this last week, and it ends up covering the spread because I think they're a good enough overall team that with the, what I saw with Dallas on Sunday, I have some reservations about them just turning around a week later and being just completely right again. I can't join you on the Falcons. It's just uh, a bridge too far for me. But I will say that uh, I-, I want nothing to do with the Cowboys this week. I need to, after as poorly as that offense played and just as off as Dak looked in his first game back from the injury, I need to see it from them before I want to get involved in them in any sort of way. I, I wouldn't be, I mean, it could click like this and we could never see it. It could happen in practice. And then suddenly Dak's flying around. CeeDee Lamb, who is dealing with the sprained ankle in this game, he's back looking like himself and Dallas throws up 34 like it's nothing. So that's why I can't get on the Falcons. But I just want to see something from the Cowboys before I trust them once again. A team that was perfect against the spread before that shocking loss to the Cowboys in, or excuse me, to the Broncos in week nine. One more pick for us on the NFL side in Funston. I'm just going to make this short and quick. We've got a total in Cardinals and Panthers at 44 and a half. Kyler Murray will never play in a game in his life where the total is at 44 and a half. This has to be said here because we don't know if Kyler is going to be able to make a comeback in this game. Obviously missed the win over the 49ers because of his ankle injury. But if Kyler is, we get one good practice report on Kyler on Wednesday or Thursday, this line jumps like a point and a half or two points. So I want to get in on it now. I know it's a risk because it could be a Colt McCoy-led offense once again for Arizona, but that Colt McCoy-led offense just put up 31 points on the 49ers in week nine. So it's a calculated risk. It's one I'm comfortable taking. If I knew Kyler were playing, I wouldn't make this bet, but that's part of why we talk about this early in the week because we can find some buying opportunities. Yeah, I feel good about regardless. The Cardinals get their 31 points, but to get your over, that means Sam Darnold's got to get the Panthers to two touchdowns. <laughs> no, no, it could be P.J. Walker. That's, Matt Rule's already talking that's about true. Sam's going to have to nurse that shoulder. Maybe P.J. Walker here. That's true. Yeah, no, I, I I really don't dislike this at all. I think it's it's fair to, to bet on Kyler. And, 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 you know, if Kyler plays, then suddenly you're feeling really good about where you got this line at. Absolutely. Yeah, Kyler could be back. DeAndre Hopkins could be back. And, again, even without Kyler, without DeAndre Hopkins – this team still went out there and put up 31. Anecdotal for sure. We don't want to just draw off of what they did a week ago, but they showed us that they can find other ways to score three, four touchdowns in a game, even when they don't have all of their guys. And if they do get their guys back, really think the Cardinals could get us, you know, 80% of the way to this total on their own. And so that's why I'm comfortable making that bet and thinking that Kyler Murray can get back for this one. Cardinals Panthers go over the 44 and a half in week 10. That's going to do it for the NFL side of this episode of best on the board. Funston, thanks for being here, my man. Oh, anytime, my man. <laughs> All right. We'll see if you can keep that two and uh Sterling record that you've got going <laughs> for sure. All right. NBA time. Tass Mellis joining me today. Got that Raptor shirt on again, my friend. How you doing? <laughs> well, it is a different Raptor shirt. I'm doing great. <laughs> I am doing great. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been on the show three times, twice a Raptor fan. I can't help it. I can't help it. It's hey. in the blood. Hey, man, I, I totally hear you got this Cubs thing over my shoulder. You can see some other things. You can start making them out behind me, too. It's like, yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't be doing this if we couldn't keep our fandom, right? That would, yeah, right. would lose all the fun, for sure. Um, you mentioned you've been on uh, this third time on Best on the Board, and we're talking NBA here. You've got one and one uh, in both of the first two weeks. So, uh, you know, a little bit of a loss, but nothing too significant. But let's break out of that one and one malaise here. you got a couple of picks for us here, one side and one total. Let's start out with the side first. We're looking at Knicks and Sixers, one of the uh, big games on the Monday slate. What are you going with here and why? 
I think the Knicks should come out and win this basketball game. So I'm going money line. They're a one-point underdog. And we just heard the news from Sham Sharania that Joel Embiid is entering health and safety protocol. So he won't be playing tonight. He won't be playing likely for several games. Now, he was supposed to rest this game anyway on a back-to-back. So I question why Philly is a favorite at all. You said don't get in the minds of the line makers, Michael. I'm with you. I'm not going to. But I think the biggest reason why they are a favorite in this game is strictly because they're 8-2. and two. They are off to an incredible start. They have won six games in a row. Five of those six wins, though, were with him, Joel Embiid. And the lone win without him was last Monday. I was on with you. <laughs> and I picked. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Going back to the well here. Yes, I am. Is this just a revenge pick? Well, I saw that, yeah, I picked the Blazers against the Sixers. And then Joel Embiid was announced that he wasn't playing in that game. The Sixers were able to rally without Joel Embiid. And that happens in the NBA. Uh, Sometimes teams just rally without their superstar. And Doc Rivers is so great at that, rallying role players uh, around uh, each other. But at this point, I think the Knicks need a win. I don't think Tom Thibodeau lets them miss this opportunity here, a golden opportunity with Joel Embiid out of the lineup. And I do think it is different on the psyche of a team when their superstar player could miss several games rather than it being sort of a one-off like it was against the Blazers last week. The Sixers are just ripe for a loss, and the Knicks coming off a loss, I think, will be ready uh, to to play this game. And, uh, yeah, a Joel Embiid-less team for not only one game, for a few games, this this line feels funny to me. I do think the Knicks should be favored, even though it is Philly. Philly's last loss before their six-game win streak was against New York on October 26th. And I don't really love going against my theory that usually early season when games or teams play two games against each other, I, I bet the, the stat out there says that it's a split more often than not. But with all these moving parts here, uh, with Joel Embiid out, I think his absence is just too much to overcome. I like New York to bounce back after their loss. It definitely feels like a solid spot for the Knicks without Joel Embiid. I'm going to jump right into my pick here, uh, Tass. You know, I've gone uh, 0-2 on player props. I'm not letting myself get out of this that easily. I'm going back (laughs) to the well on the props, and I look at what should be one of the more fun games of the night, Atlanta and Golden State. Trey Young. I've got a couple of plays on Trey Young here. Let's start with the points over 25 and a half. That is sitting at minus 120 uh, with our partners over at BetMGM. Uh, We know, I I think this is going to be a game that we get two teams like this together. You get a couple of scores like Trey Young and Steph Curry together. Often those games can be defined by the offenses, the respective offenses. And I I really think that's ultimately the way that this game plays. So uh, Trey Young, it's been a a slow going for him relatively to start the season. But we're still talking about a guy that's averaging 27.5 points per game. And unlike my play on Desmond Bain last week, where both of us sat here and said, you know, this uh, this point that I'm going over is three points below his season average, and it's still an even money, minus 110 sort of bet. Like, that feels a little strange, but hey, let's just step into the trap anyways. We don't have any concerns with that here because they're juicing this up to minus 120. So it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable that there's nothing really funny at play here. We're just setting a fair line. We're making you pay a little bit to go over, and I feel okay doing that. So that's why I'm on Trey to go over the 25 and a half points. Let's talk about the threes here because we're getting plus money on Trey hitting at least three threes in this game. It's at plus 145, and this is one that I actually like quite a bit, Tess, and here's why. Uh, Trey Young right now, like I said, a, a relatively slow start for him. He's hitting fewer than 30% of his threes. He's got a 286 three-point percentage so far this season. And that's just uncharacteristic for a guy who he's a volume shooter. He's a volume scorer from three. But still, 
34% on his career from three. Last year, he shot it at 34.3. The year before, he shot it at 36.1. We should roughly expect him to be hitting about one-third of his three-point attempts. That just hasn't been there for him this season, but he is still attempting just shy of six per game. So I feel like you know one of these days, one of these nights, it's ultimately going to click for him, and I like it in a night where he's got a great shooter on the other side where we're expecting offense to be uh, largely at play. And so that's why I think ultimately Trey finds that you know 33%, 35% sort of shooting night from beyond the arc gets to the three, and I can't lie, that plus 145 number really jumping out at me. I like it in plus money, this sort of plus money, on a guy like Trey Young to make three threes. So that's why uh, I'm on Trey and all of his scoring props tonight. I like the fact that you're not just, uh, you know, gently walking into this one. You're (laughs) 0 for 2 on your player props. You're swinging (laughs) and and trying to double down here. Uh, That 2.5 point line at plus 145, it seems Mm -hmm. a little off to me. I would expect, uh, yeah, that, that... that money to be a lot lower, that line to be a lot lower than plus 145 because, as you said, Trey is going to get them up. He's going to get those shots up. And and I think if you listen to him speak recently, he's talked about trying to get everybody else involved and he's got to start looking for himself a little bit more. So that bodes well for you know a, f- a few threes a game, the 25 and a half. I'm a little worried about that. I, I, I know you probably, if he hits – Three threes, you're likely to yeah. see a big number from Trey. The Golden State Warriors are such a good defense. I think that kind of flies under the radar. They're the best defense in the league. And I think they may try and take away Trey and try and force him to be more of a playmaker. But I think Trey will get his shots up. I think he bangs home uh, a few threes. So I think you're you're good with that plus 145. That's, that's too juicy to stay away from, in my opinion. Oh. A little juicy to pass up, and maybe it's got something to do with that. Just you know, if you just look at his his stat line on the season, we have seen you know a little bit different of a of a yeah. season from Trey Young, where he's averaging you know twenty field goal attempts on the season per game. That's the second most we've seen from him in his career. But the five point six three point attempts are the fewest that we've seen from him in his career. And obviously, we're not going to want to compare just a ten game sample to you know sixty three games from the last year and sixty the year before that, eighty one in his rookie season, but. We may be seeing a little bit different style from Trey Young, which potentially pushes us to the plus 145. But a guy who can shoot the ball like this, getting up still six threes per game, plus 145, a little bit too much for me to stay away from. One more pick for us, Tass, Hornets and Lakers. What do you got here? Well, I'm one for one on my over-under picks, and I'm one for one when I insert the Charlotte Hornets into that pick. So I'm going to stay with that. I think when they go visit the Los Angeles Lakers, we're going to see some points, just like the Hawks-Warriors game. I'm going over the 227, which is a huge number. We're looking at about 114 apiece here. But the Hornets have given up 114, 140, and 120 on the first three games of their road trip here. This is game four. And uh, there's a good reason for that. They are dead last in defense. And they allow guys to score inside. And I think Russell Westbrook is going to take advantage of that from the Lakers' perspective. He loves to penetrate a deal. If teams are going to give him the key, he is going to go in there. And I think we get a big bounce back game from Russell Westbrook. Had his worst game of the season by far on Saturday. People mocking Russell Westbrook for the multiple air balls. Uh, One for 13 performance on Saturday. Six turnovers. But if you look Overall, at his season, he's been you know fairly decent, uh, comparable to his numbers the last couple of years. So I think he bounces back against a very bad defense. There's going to be a lot of points put up. Now, Anthony Davis, questionable in this game, sore thumb. Uh, but I think that bodes well, actually, for the Lakers giving up a lot of points at the other end. Because if Russell Westbrook is trying to score a ton, 
I think they will be a little bit holy, a little bit uh, easy to penetrate on the perimeter. And uh, mm-hmm. Frank Vogel has said as much as Lakers head coach. He said, uh, we're struggling to implement our defense. We're trying to double guys on the perimeter, but we got to stop doing that because we don't have the second efforts coming afterwards. So I think a lot will be on Russ's shoulders without Anthony Davis. I even mentioned that LeBron is most definitely not playing. Mm-hmm. So uh, there we are. I think we're, Lakers are struggling defensively. Hornets are struggling defensively. Uh, that 227 is a little scary to me, but when all is said and done, I think there's going to be a lot of points on the board. Yeah, like the formula you've put together here, and something else we can add to it, one and a half is the spread on this game. Lakers favored by one and a half. You like, if you're going to go over, you like seeing a short spread, a game that you don't feel like is going to be a blowout where the teams pack it in in the fourth quarter. Definitely something to look for. If you're going to get over 227, you probably want it to be a close game. So that could also play to your favor as well. Hey, Two and one, right? Make it two and one with the uh, Hornets. Make it two and one with the totals. And that'll take us into uh, this middle of November part of the season on a good note. That's going to do it right here for this episode of Best on the Board. Thanks so much for joining us. For Taz Mellis, Brandon Funston, I am Michael Bella. We're back with you on both Thursday and Friday later this week. So be sure to be subscribed to Best on the Board. Thanks again for listening. Good luck tonight. Happy betting. <laughs>